Dusty, what's the one book you can always find in our car when we're on a trip? Honestly, Mike, it is usually a Moon travel guide. That's right. Moon is our favorite travel guidebook publisher because not only are they a source for ethical travel and the best ways to get away, but their books also are packed full of information on everything from sites to see, trails to hike, restaurants, and lodging, all from real authors who are local to the areas they're writing about. That's right. And we're so excited that this year we are again partnering with Moon Travel Guides. Ready to cross something off your travel bucket list in 2024? Have a lot of great ideas for trips, but don't know how to get started or keep your itinerary organized? Wherever your wanderings might take you or inspire you to go, Moon Travel has you covered. Moon Travel is the travel guidebook publisher for ethical travel. Don't spend months trying to craft the perfect getaway when you can do it all with Moon. Whether you're headed abroad, planning to take to the open road, or want to wander the trails of a national park, make sure to pack a Moon Travel Guide with you. Through the end of 2024, our listeners can get 20% off any Moon Travel Guide when they use the code GAZE20 at checkout. That's amazing. And that is code GAZE24, G-A-Z-E-2-4 for 20% off any Moon travel guide in Moon's entire library. And that is just for our listeners, and you cannot find that anywhere else. Be sure to visit Moon.com. Head to our show notes and check it out and see Moon's entire collection of travel guidebooks. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Trail Mix by Gaze at the National Parks. Trail Mix is kind of like its own show here at Gaze at the National Parks. In our long format episodes, we take a trip down a different trail in a different national park. And then in Trail Mix, we get to cover things that we didn't get to cover in our long form episodes. Also, updates about the national park system or things going on in our travel adventures or other things related to national parks and travel. So we've covered a whole host of topics from the Joshua Tree issue, to government car shutdown, etiquette, Halloween, hiking and trail terminology, hiking equipment, where we buy our gear, and even some other trips that we've taken that haven't been national parks related. But first on today's trail mix, we need to offer some corrections corners. That's right. If you've been listening to our latest episodes on arches, um, we need to kind of readdress some of the trail names and geological feature names that we've stated about some of the parts of Arches National Park. Let's talk about the Devil's Playground, which we so repeatedly said we, in both episodes. We did. And actually, yeah. like prior to sitting down recording that, we said, I believe I said, is it the Devil's Garden or the Devil's Playground? And I looked back at the map that said Devil's Garden. And from the time I looked at that map to the time I looked up, I had <laughs> I had felt that it had said the Devil's Playground. Right. And, so and never looked at that stayed. map again. <laughs> I was honestly, there's the Devil's Garden campground, right. and I think I was just confusing the two of them together. Right, and we did. We said that in both episodes. The other noteworthy correction that we need to make is we called Park Avenue, which is, how would you describe it, I guess? So it's it's a, like a walkway from one spot one part of the park roadway to another. Yeah. It's totally flat the whole time. I mean, except like on climbing one end, down, climbing yeah. down and or climbing up. back up. Yeah. But there are a whole bunch of features to your right and left that sort of look like New York buildings, but it is not called Grand Avenue. It is called Park Avenue. Right. And we called it Grand Avenue the right. whole time. We apologize if that was confusing to anybody. Um when we record, sometimes we're recording episodes you know, right two in a row, a two to three at a right. time. And sometimes the editing process happens, you know, a week or so before those episodes launch. And then 
we hear the episodes live and and we're like oh darn but you oh, know darn. what yeah we live and we learn yep. and you know if we don't then what are we dead exactly <laughs> so here we are today talking about a very exciting new territory that we're going to start covering here on trail mix which is national monuments right national monuments and national historic sites and where was the first national monument that we explored, Mike? The first one that we explored together that we had really made a plan to do was Ellis Island and Liberty Island. That's right. That's right. Because we are over here in New Jersey. Ellis Island and Liberty Island are both technically located in New Jersey. Right. Though they are most often associated with New York. Yes. Yeah. So Dusty and I really do try to maximize as much of our off time to travel as possible. And over this President's Day weekend, we'd actually kind of kicked around the idea of heading back down to Shenandoah and doing some hiking. I think both of our lives got a little crazy, and I think sometimes we also are a little overambitious. A little overambitious, and we definitely scaled that back. We're like, we're not leaving the state over that weekend. We're just going to hang out. But we were like, we should do something. And I feel like there are plenty of things that are in our area um, that are National Historic Sites, National Historic Landmarks. We really should try to explore those. And so we got to talking and we both had never been to Ellis Island or Liberty Island. And at we thought, least in this life. At least in this life, that's right. And we thought it would be a great idea to kind of pass back through in this life. In this life. <laughs> that's right. Many lives, many masters. We made a plan. We kind of were able to buy the tickets. Like, I think I bought them like the day before or something like that. It was pretty great. It like, was pretty great. And it was really fun. And for a holiday Monday, like I was kind of surprised that we were able to get tickets. And surprised we went on the earliest boat. And surprised at how cheap it is. Guys, it's $18 to take a ferry from Jersey City, right near Liberty Science Center, to Ellis Island and get admission into Ellis Island and to Liberty Island and to go into at least the, um, you're not getting the whole Statue of Liberty. We had like the pedestal level, basically. So we couldn't go all the way up to the crown. So that ticket is a little bit more expensive to do that. But $18 to do both islands to be able to go all the Girl, way around. It was great. Like, I just felt like we were on a bargain hunter show. Seriously. Borgans. 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 And our National Parks Pass was not going to be able to get us on to Ellis Island or Liberty Island because what you're technically paying for is the boat ride. Right. And then also access to the pedestal, which are not technically like park managed you're not paying for access to the park Mm. you're paying for transportation to the park and then like the special area in this side of the statue right so there's some sort of like way around that right 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 but they are managed by the national park service they are we went into one of the buildings members Mm -hmm. are there yeah the whole time it was cool i think we were kind of nervous too when we were like thinking kicking around shenandoah because we were like, oh, God, is the shutdown going to, if we do do this, yes. like, would we have missed that? We also and were even, curious about, like, do we go down and try and, like, help clean up Shenandoah? Right. Like, that was something we tossed around, right. too. But unfortunately, with scheduling, it, it just didn't right. happen. And it actually turned out, when we were on the island, too, we did a little research. And actually, despite the government shutdown, Ellis Island and the Statue of Liberty stayed open. I believe Governor Cuomo, even though it's technically some New way. Jersey, yeah, made some way to... 
yeah. fund the operating of those two islands, basically. Yes. You and I went from the Jersey side. Yeah. Because you can access it from the New York side, mm-hmm. from Battery Park, mm-hmm. or you can access it from the New Jersey side and Liberty State Park, which right. is in Jersey City right next to the Liberty Science Center. Mm-hmm. The Liberty Science Center is like this giant museum. I mean, one would probably say it was the museum for children, but it is an exploratory right. science museum with an IMAX theater. It is the coolest. And is there a planetarium there too? I feel like um, yes or no. I think they sort of make the IMAX, IMAX like theater a planetarium. like a planetarium. Yeah. It is so fun. I finally went for the first time last year. Oh, I don't think I've been since I was in elementary school. Oh my school. God, it was amazing. I had a day off and I was like, I've always wanted to go, so I'm going to go. Yeah? Yeah. I loved it. And right now they have an exhibit on black holes. Oh. And also Sherlock Holmes. Like the one in your heart? (laughs) (laughs) So we got to Liberty State Park, which is where you board the boat from Mm -hmm. the Jersey side at around 8.40, I think. Yeah. And this panic Libra was like, we need to get there on time. We have to be there early. We have to get there on time. The boat is leaving at 9, blah, blah, blah. All that Psych. stuff. The boat left at 9.30. <laughs> boat left at 9.30, but the tickets said be there ready at to nine. board the boat at yeah. 9. I totally recommend going from the Jersey side, and here is why. Because the old train station right. is in Liberty State Park, and that is just so full of ghosts. Oh, yeah. And it's so big, and like you can see where all of the... Like, people would come in from Ellis Island, go into Liberty State Park, and then, like, get on trains to go, literally, to the rest of America. Like, you could see where all of the other trains would take you. Like, there were, you know, something like 10 lanes or something, 10 tracks right there, where the trains would take off. And, like, that, to me, looked like a European train station. Right. It did. It felt very, like, we were in Berlin. Yeah, Yeah, it did. Yeah, or Amsterdam. And they did, it was cool, they did have, like, the train, like, stops. Like, they had a map of the stops that used to be running from those platforms. Which are still the exact same stops Yeah, which is pretty, pretty cool. Like, you know, you can take the train from New York City all the way down the coast, which, you know, if I wanted to do that, I could from my home. Like, I would get on in Point Pleasant or Manasquan. Those are my closest. It's like two hours of your life. You'll never get back to get to New York City. But that existed then, which is pretty cool. That's right. Yeah. We're sitting there and we're chatting and we were like, okay, I guess we should probably go get in line. And then we look behind us and literally like an exodus of people. It was this, like a tour group. It looked like either high school students or college students. Was coming to like get in line and you were like, we have to run. And we did. We physically ran <laughs> to be the first people in line right. because we did not, we knew we were going to board the boat. Right. But what we didn't know is that when the National Park Service employee, like, let us through, um, that we had to go through, like, essentially airport, airport. TSA yeah. security. Yeah. So we did. That didn't take very long. No. Because we were first in line. Right. Hike early, hike often. Right. <laughs> and so we got on the boat, which the boat was, like, such a quick ride to Ellis Island. Oh, yeah. Because, technically speaking, like, I mean... Ellis Island is a stone's throw from Liberty State Park. Oh, yeah. There's, there's, there's a, train, a walking train bridge. bridge. Right? Is there, there is a walking okay. bridge that leads you from one to the other that's not very long at all, but it is closed to pedestrian traffic. And that is because um, this pedestrian footbridge 
was built around 1986 when they began the Ellis Island Restoration Project. Mm. And they built this pedestrian footbridge just to transport workers and materials to make things faster and easier. And then when it was done, they deemed the bridge inadequate for pedestrian traffic. And then in 1999, the city of New York and I guess New Jersey, who they got to work together on those two things. Like it was proposed that they open it, but none of the bills ever passed. So Mm. it remains closed. And Mm. that is why. Well, that's interesting. I'm sure it would be like a fascinating walk across because it really isn't that far like to no. walk from, you know, New Jersey to Ellis Island. No, not at all. Because the boat ride is super quick. Super quick. Less right. than 10 minutes. Yeah. We pull in. What boat were we on? Miss Liberty. Oh, Miss Liberty. Ladies and gentlemen and everyone in between, welcome to the stage, Miss Liberty. Liberty. I know. How appropriate. But we get to Ellis Island. It actually looked like there were people that were already there. Like there they were. may have come from, I guess, the New York side. Yes. Probably made the most sense. Yeah. yeah. So you get off and and the main building is right there, basically. And that's the museum entrance. Now, the history of the island is pretty interesting because it really wasn't as big as it is currently. Um, It started off as like almost like a small kind of sandbar island. And then eventually over time, what happened is through landfilling, they expanded the island. The part of the island that the main museum building is on was the first part that was built up. That's part of the existing island and then the land fell around that and then they kind of built like almost like docks off of that that then they filled behind and then built like a whole other islands to kind of create a channel for the ferries to pull in and out of and that was like the hospital side of the island um, it's the contagious disease wards over there that part of the island is inaccessible so really you're only working off of the one side of the island where the main building is so it's like a horseshoe yeah you would describe yeah, it yeah and you can only access the one side the right side you of the horseshoe you can't even walk over there no it's like a ghost town over there oh, they yeah. just haven't restored that section yet <laughs> mm-hmm. which apparently that's coming oh okay is from apparently everything I've read oh okay but it's coming slowly I think right so we head into the museum and you know we took a little bit of time outside just the building itself is really incredible it's this brickwork building that's like kind of finished off with limestone parts there's some statuary and some carvings on the building too it really is like from an architectural perspective like a really beautiful facade on the outside and that kind of carries through to the other buildings across the way too but this is very very impressive and they obviously spent a great deal of time working to do restoration there on the first floor right when you walk in to the left is the gift shop and then beyond it is what you're standing inside of is called the baggage room. And that is where new immigrants would bring their bags and their bags would be searched. On this floor, there are two sections of a museum and it's called Journeys, the Peopling of America. And right on the other side of the baggage room is between the years 1550 and 1890. And what that talks about is what was immigration in America like before Ellis Island. Mm -hmm. And then down the hall to the left is Journey's New Eras of Immigration, 1945 to the present. These are extremely well-curated museum exhibits. We didn't spend a whole lot of time in there because there were other things we wanted to see and we had a tight window to get on the boat to head over to Liberty Island. Yeah. But we headed straight upstairs. Going to the second floor takes you to 
the registry room. As an immigrant, you would get in line and you would stand in these lines and they would call your number. This was happening constantly all day. Like a deli. And then they would like go over your papers and ask you all these questions and there were all these tables and you had to go to all of these different places to get different things checked. It's like a more intense version of what customs is now if you're coming back into the country or going into another country. Exactly. Right. And so um, they even have, there's a stairwell in that room called the Stairs of Separation. On those stairs, you would take one side to go to New York and another to go to New Jersey. Okay. So that was how that worked. Okay. But we strolled around the registry room and we looked at some of the tiny little placards that were in there. Really, the point of this room is to see like how enormous it is right? and how many people they like put inside Yeah, how many people who got fed through it, which is incredible to kind of ponder that really just from from being there and having it be so cavernous and we got up there and we were like maybe one of 10 people or two of 10 people that were up there when we you know were some of the first boats that had come in for the day there so it must have been so loud and cacophonous in there because the ceiling itself is just vaulted and yes. like the sound must have been intense. Yes. And, and it, all the languages all the that languages, I'm sure you would have heard. Depending on the time of the year, it must have been incredibly hot or incredibly cold. Like it just, right. just the idea of thinking about that experience from a perspective of someone very new to this country. It's pretty fascinating just from, just from being in that space, being able to kind of like collect all those thoughts there. Next, after the registry room, you go through this exhibit called Through America's Gates. This is directly from the National Park Service brochure on Ellis Island. Through America's Gates follows the immigration process, initial questioning in the registry room, medical inspections, and for some temporary detention. About 20% were held for additional medical or legal examinations. Detained immigrants could plead their case to the Board of Special Inquiry in the hearing room. Most were allowed through. So this was a really fascinating area. Yeah. And this is where I would like to bring up my sensitivity to ghost spirits. Right. Because we walked in this and I basically fell over and it was like, Michael... There are so many ghosts floating through these rooms right here. Right. And I think it was like, more of the hallway that triggered you right away. The hallway was so triggering. Because you could actually, like, once you got out of the hallway, most of the rooms connected outside of the hallway. So it was like you could actually walk through most of the rooms. But the hallway itself felt like... It just like, felt like trauma. It did. It felt like American Horror Story Asylum. It seriously yeah. did. I just um, was like, this is terrifying. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be in here. But the exhibits were so well done and so informative and not really... Like, I feel like you can go to uh, like a history museum and you can just get mired in the text that's there. Oh, And I felt like talk they about were this super concise... So concise. Everything was like categorized perfectly. The text was never too long. Right. And it was exactly where it needed to be. Right. Like physically in space. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, oh, here's this thing you're looking at. Here's this tiny little piece of text that continues. Yeah. What was just previously said and also gives you enough context for the thing you're looking at. Right. And so like we were able to see like all this different currency that people brought through. We were able to see parts of walls that 
people had, um, when they were doing the restoration process, had found graffiti under, and so they had removed those walls to to kind of preserve um, what people had written. And some of those people having been in like detention while they were waiting to either have their case pled or for them to get better. At some point, there were immigrant quotas for countries. There was a law enacted that... That was insane. Basically, like, if, like, the immigrants came and their country had like met the quota for how many people they were letting in, I believe for that month, then they would have to turn right back around. Congress, I believe, made a law that any steamship that was carrying someone in that had to be turned back to their mother country or father country, the steamship captains had to pay for them. They yeah. So they didn't have to, like, there was no hardship there. No, um, no. I believe that... Other than having to make that travel right, journey yeah, again. Right. I believe, too, that... I remember reading that other than like a destination and train tickets, they wanted to make sure that every person had at least $20, I I believe. At the very least, like some small increment of American currency for the time. Let's talk about the thing about how, say you were a single dude, like coming from another country, Mm -hmm. and you didn't know anybody in New York or New Jersey, you could easily be let in. Mm -hmm. But if you were a single woman... right. Not the case. Right. Single women were actually not allowed to leave Ellis Island without without a male relative. relative. Yeah. And if they were engaged to be married, then they wanted to ensure that nobody was just faking that. Right. To get into the country. So they conducted marriages on Ellis Island. Right. So if your fiance was here. Yeah. Then they would say, okay, well, then you're getting married today. Yeah. And then that is how that And sometimes work. women would have to wait. Like if they came ahead of their husbands or their fiancés or their brothers, and they would have to wait on Ellis Island until those relatives actually arrived from their country as from well. From wherever, yeah. right. And the other thing is, is that they never had enough resources on Ellis Island. There were so many people. Right. There were never enough beds. There were never enough doctors. There were never enough supplies. And so everybody said Ellis Island was always like a really good idea in theory, but never a good idea in practice. Right. Like it never, ever supported the amount of people that were ever there. Right. Well, it's interesting to you. It said talking about the exhibits on the first floor, um, the immigration before what was the what were the dates before from 1550 to 1890 so before Ellis Island the states themselves handled immigration each state individually handled immigration and then Ellis Island came into existence you know early in the 20th century Um, and then after World War II it you know started to start to fade out from Ellis Island itself so that's why those exhibits are are kind of really the bookends to what immigration was like and what Ellis Island's real worth was for that period of time so it's you know a really fascinating kind of snapshot in time to be able to see all these things after we had gone through both exhibits on that second floor because i think we also went through peak immigration years as well we went across the hall peak immigration years explores the wave of immigration from 1880 to 1924 we made our way up to the third floor which had some you know some interesting things we were able to see up there as well mainly it had these giant models of like the very the various ways ellis island looked throughout the years. yeah how it changed we also saw um they also had all 
they had an exhibit of photography oh, of yeah. the islands, like in and its the restoration. The restoration that was that was really fascinating because they had these like display cases in the middle that had old parts of things that they had taken out of the oh, island yeah. that they had preserved in these display cases, and it was almost like a hoarder's like closet basically but it was so neat and then they also had items that people had brought like there was that room of clothing from different people um from different countries that's true um different sorts of like spoon like all different sorts of things that were brought that were either left behind or were then donated i guess as a part of the exhibit to be there so that was really pretty neat i think we kind of cut you know, our time short on the third floor because I really do feel like we got such a good primer and a good really look into the history on the second floor. And we were also like, we want to go down and check and see if we have relatives that came through. So we made our way to the American Family Emigration History Center. You technically have to make an appointment, but because we were there very early in the morning, there were available computers. Yeah, like right away. So how... How long did we have? A half hour. Oh, we had 30 minutes. Yeah. And how much? $7, I believe. Seven bucks. And you can access the database. Yeah. And just search for as many family names as you can. In 30 minutes. Yeah. And what did you find, Michael? Nothing. (laughs) Well, it was really interesting. What about you? Nothing. Nothing. But found, I found, I sort of maybe found something. Right. Because I had a grandfather who immigrated from Yugoslavia. Uh Uh-huh which is now the part that he's from is now called Croatia. Uh-huh. But but we don't know if he came in through Ellis Island or okay. if he came in through New Orleans. Oh, okay. Huh. Things we don't Things know. Things we don't know. I actually didn't find anything out at Ellis Island per se. I found out things after calling my mom and then my uncle because my grandfather, um, for all of my you know 34 years on this earth, I believed was straight from Italy. Um, My grandmother was born here. Her parents were of Italy. They had immigrated here, but my grandmother was born here. And my grandfather, I had always assumed that he was Italian because he had a pretty strong accent. And so that's who I was really searching for. And I couldn't find anything. And so I called my mom. And my mom was like, oh, no, 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 no. I mean, his, his parents were Italian, but he was born in Connecticut. And I was like, what? It was like such a shock to learn a little bit of my family history. And then I had to call my uncle. She was like, he knows more of the story than I do. And it turns out that he was born in the US. So he was technically not technically he was a United States citizen. And then they moved back to Italy. And then he immigrated here. He returned to the US at 19. And that's how he started his life here, um, which is was such a fascinating you know, I didn't find this at Ellis Island per se, but I, I found it out through going to Ellis Island. So that was a really neat little bit of family history I discovered there. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't find out that much. Um, <laughs> my mom's side of the family, the last name is Patalo, and it's such a rare last name. And it is sometimes Yugoslavian and sometimes Italian because sometimes they just like sailed over the sea and decided to go to Italy. Right. Um, and shack up. But I did find that there's a version of that name called Capitalo, mm. and that might have been uh, a distant relative of mine, but mm. I don't know. Yeah. So after not finding much, 
at Ellis Island, it was time for us to board the boat. Right. And we did. And, and we, we did. headed over to Liberty Island. Liberty Island took slightly longer to get to. Mm-hmm. But that's like maybe 15 minutes. Right. I mean, it wasn't long at all. No. It was super close. And it was definitely more crowded. Yes. It was incredibly more crowded for a smaller island, too. Um, and it was kind of like a little bit... I'm going to say it was a little bit of a letdown in some ways. Because I feel like we really like went in. We were able to like see... Our girl up there, like right from when we got off the boat. Lady Libertree. Lady Libertree. Libertree. (laughs) And then we walked basically to the pedestal. And, you know, we were in and out really quickly. We were. Get on to Liberty Island. And at first I was like, oh, look, the National Park Service has an office here. Mm -hmm. So we like went inside there and got some literature and stuff. And they had like a gift shop, of course. Mm -hmm. But then we went to... We went inside, and I will say, like, the pedestal that she's standing on, that thing is really big inside. Yeah. There's a lot happening in there that you can, like, like, it feels like you're going, to me, it felt like the bottom of Rockefeller Center. Like, there was so much space under there. Mm -hmm. And I think also the color of the stone is similar. We went straight for the... To go to the pedestal. Now you can take an elevator. Right. But we were like, no, we're going to increase our cardio lives and we're going to take the stairs. Right. Which, how many stairs was it? Oh, I forgot. I don't remember, but it was a lot. <laughs> we take the stairs all the way up. Didn't take us long. No, it was like five eight minutes. minutes yeah, eight maybe. Minutes, maybe. And then we get out. It was freezing. And this super day. windy. Super windy. And we were like, get photos. And, like, so we we took as many photos as we could. Like, the actual top part of the pedestal is, like, tiny. Yeah, it's actually not that much around. Like, I, I mean, know, it's, like, like, enough for, like, one person to squeeze around. 20 to 30 feet on each side of the square, something and like it's that. it's, like, maybe two feet wide. No, it's a little wider, because I think you could if you had a sidle around someone could. I don't know. I don't know. They didn't tell us to like go in one direction around. You know what I mean? They were like, do whatever. No one was there to be like police us basically. Right. So we did. We, we took more photos and looked around from up there and it was, it was beautiful. Um, Cold and windy, but beautiful. Cold, windy and gray, but beautiful. And so then we uh, went back downstairs on a different staircase. On a different staircase. Smart design, folks. And I was like, I want to go through this exhibit mm-hmm. that they have here on the Statue of Liberty. And I think we did that in like 15 minutes. Yeah. It's a nicely curated exhibit about yeah. just the history of the statue and how it came to America and how France made the statue, but we had to provide the, the pedestal. Base, yeah. And the revisions that each of those two things went through the statue and the pedestal and how like the statue of liberty became like another american icon similar to uncle sam to be used and like they had all these propaganda posters and wartime posters and things like that that utilized lady liberty because she became obviously this national symbol she still is and then we also you were like i really want to see the plaque i want to see the plaque that has the give us your tired your poor your huddled masses 
And we were like, where the heck is that? And lo and behold, they had moved it actually into the museum space. I think it was outside on the lower part of the pedestal because we did go out there too. To Before I think we went through the museum, we went yes. out onto like kind of like, it's still the pedestal, but it's a lower portion of it. So you can actually see the Statue of Liberty pretty well from the front, but you're still not like outside of the pedestal museum. Um, so yeah. And it was still freezing. <laughs> it was still freezing and cold and beautiful. But great. Yes. <laughs> it reminded me a lot of touring Edinburgh Castle mm. in Scotland because it's like always gray and dark and like rainy and cold. Mm. It's like the American version of that. <laughs> yeah. I'd imagine if you're climbing up through Lady Liberty herself, then can also buy a crown ticket um, to go up to the crown because or because they've started to let people back up that far. It was closed for a pretty long time. I'd imagine you'd spend much longer there because you're actually going through the inner workings of the statue itself. Which is really fascinating inside, seeing all the beams mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah, um, which you could kind of see where we were at from the pedestal base. Um, you could kind of look up. I'd imagine you could spend longer there, but honestly, like that was kind of it. So then after that, we kind of just made our way back. We knew what their time window was for the boat because it's actually really well posted. We stopped in the gift shop because we had a little bit of time. Didn't and really... we noticed, like, thank God we weren't trying to get onto the New York oh, boat. Oh, yeah. Because there were so many people getting right. on the New York boat. And then, like, the 12 people getting on the New Jersey boat. Like, it was had so much space. Yeah. Like, everything was yeah. So lovely. So if, if you do go, definitely try to go from Jersey City. Um, because it, at least the day we went, we had perfect, perfect day, really easy to transport, um, us back and forth. Like we were back in Liberty State Park at our car at what time? Like one thirty, two o'clock, something like that. It was perfect. And I feel like that's a decent amount of time. Had we had more time and you could have taken a later ferry, there were like at least two or three other ones. You could have spent definitely a little bit more time going through the museum on Ellis Island. But honestly, Liberty Island, unless you're climbing all the way to the top or climbing through the body of the Statue of Liberty, you don't need a ton of time there. And generally speaking, I found Ellis Island historically to be more interesting. Oh, yeah, 100%. Piqued my interest a lot more. Yes. And there's just more history in that on that island. And they did a really, really great job of making of telling the story of that history yeah so we recently celebrated the first day of spring Mm -hmm. and with spring comes seasonal allergies yes which is they have come for me in a very very strong way right now yeah and so that is why i say that i sound like a gay ghost but that inspired us to create a game. What's the game, Mike? In this game, let's ask the question, which gay ghost would you like to sit down and meet? I already have my answer. Mm-hmm. Oscar Wilde. Oh, that queen. O- Oscar Wilde, that queen. That queen would... Uh, that swishy queen. <laughs> like, Oscar Wilde, like, invented... Like, he wrote shade down on paper... And elevated it in a way that, like, people were doing out, you know, in the world. But, like, he wrote it down and put it in the mouths of these, like, really self-important characters. And it made them funny. I just have to thank him for that. Yeah. Like, 
half of the characters that we have now are like some sort of riff on an Oscar Wilde character. Mm. So that is who I would. That's your gay ghost. That's my gay ghost. What about yours? Um, well, maybe this is an unconfirmed gay ghost, but Abraham Lincoln. Oh, <laughs> Gabraham Lincoln. Gabraham. My buddy Gabraham. I just feel like he led a fascinating life. Um, what a failure he was for so many years. He failed at so many businesses. He had failed runnings um, for, you know, different offices in government. And then here he is, this this figure that um, worked to preserve the union. Um, maybe his motives weren't necessarily the purest. And, you know, now that we know a little bit more of that history. But I do feel like he is a figure that, is such an important one for American history. And I just feel like it would be so interesting to hear more about his life and more about his challenges and his, his different sordid lovers. <laughs> Perfect. This has been Trail Mix by Gaze at the National Parks. And we're here to remind you to hike early and hike often. And that adventure is always out there. Follow us on Instagram at Gaze at the National Parks. You can also email us at Gaze at the National Parks at gmail.com. Gaze at the National Parks was created and is hosted by Dustin Ballard and Michael Ryan. This episode was edited by Dustin Ballard. The theme song and original music was written and performed by Dave Seaman with Mariella Klinger. All original artwork featured on Instagram is by Michael Ryan. Mm-hmm.